0: Part of having diverse and inclusive team is also the innovation that comes from it. So as a leader, a simple thing that you could do is also invite conflict. I know that sound the word sounds a little bit scary, but what I hear me out. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, invite conflict and invite disagreement. Because when you have diverse teams, you're going to have different perspectives that are gonna come through. And with that, you hold space and you increase safety. For people to bring different ideas but also to to look at how can we do things even better
1: wait a minute but shouldn't i hire just the best candidate for the role instead of hiring for diversity this is a very interesting question that i'll be discussing with angel in today's podcast apart from that We're gonna go deep understanding what is diversity and inclusion and why should I care in my organization and how can I successfully implement it? I think we're gonna enjoy this podcast. Stay tuned. Angel, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be speaking with you today.
1: Okay, so first let's get to know you and uh, a bit of your story and what led you to this point.
0: Yeah, great question and one that um, it makes me reflect a lot even as I speak about it. So, I think growing up as a minority woman in Singapore, a lot of times the reality is you find yourself in situations where you are part of the out-group or that you find yourself in situations that you may not feel like you fit into everyone around you. I'll give you an example. Say for example, when growing up, you know, the kids in school, they would look at me and say stuff like, the reason why your, your skin is brown is because you shower in really hot water or that you didn't take a shower. And you know, as young kids, we would have all these sticker books and the stickers would be of dinosaurs and dolls and bugs. And people would say things like, you know, because you look this way, this bug lives in your hair. And I remember even at that time as a child, you this is the first time you were hearing all this, but nobody would speak up. Nobody of power or authority would say something that this is unkind, this is not right, this is not how we respect each other. And I would go home and I would tell my mom about it and we would... And at that time, you know, there would not have been conversations about diversity or inclusion or how do we respect each other and celebrate our differences. So we were always told to let's just keep our head down. Let's just ignore it and let's keep going. But I always had that drive of, you know, this is not right. We should be speaking up about it, but nobody else did. And, you know, how do you then have it? So I moved on into my professional career. And for the first 10 years of my professional life, I... Um, had the opportunity to work with some really exciting companies to scale talent development and recruitment and I had got a lot of satisfaction from it and even as we were scaling these teams and finding the best people, there was still that, that little gap there of how do we truly bring people together and enable people to feel included so we get the best out of them. Um, And that's when also things started moving you know, with me to Black Lives Matter and these conversations started coming up, people were starting to talk about it and that combined with my lived experiences really gave me uh, the realization of I can be part of the solution now, I can put together what I've experienced and what I've learned professionally to make a difference. So that's where i really dug deep into specializing in diversity and inclusion i joined a company called include where i've had really great opportunities with work, to work with organizations to build diverse and inclusive organizations um, where i lead all of our dni strategy and leadership projects at the moment
1: wow that's i love <laughs> that story <laughs> and so now I'm, I'm curious to to understand how did that shaped you today uh, as a as a person and also as a professional
0: yeah great question i think you know when you go through something like that it gives you a lot of empathy for the lived yeah. experiences of other people right when you when you've experienced it but at the same time you possibly know what I mean what I experience is only just a small scale of what the rest of the world and all everyone else so I can't speak for everyone but it it definitely gives you a lot of empathy when you work with clients who are truly trying to make a difference but because the topic is sometimes so new we can be very afraid of saying the wrong thing and that fear sometimes drives us to then not say anything which is also not equally the best so That empathy lens really helps me partner with clients and people around me to, you know what, we're going to signal that we're not going to get this perfect. We are going to make mistakes around the way. Um, But how can we be open to feedback, but also how can we be more curious to the people around us to really, really drive the right outcomes?
1: Wow. I was even having goosebumps (laughs) when you were saying that. So nice how you transform your Experience when you're young into now what is driving you and also yeah. you can help other other people. okay, that was a good beginning. <laughs> okay, so now let's um, let's be all on the same page and uh, understand the, the the topic. So what is your definition of um, uh, diversity and inclusion?
0: Yeah. So I think there's a lot of different definitions out there, right? And very simply put, let's just use both of us as an example, right? Diversity is almost the differences between us. If I use myself as an example, you can see visible and invisible invisible diversity dimensions. So you can see that I am a brown woman. I may identify as a woman. I've got long hair, but you can also see the diff- the invisible dimension of things. Perhaps you may not know my religion, my nationality. So all those differences is of, that mix between us, that is diversity. Mm. And when you think about inclusion, inclusion is almost how do we then celebrate all those differences? How do we bring all of that and include all of that together? Actually a very famous practitioner, Verna Myers, you might have heard of her. Um, she was the VP of Netflix of, for DNI. She puts it in a very fun way. Diversity is like everyone being invited to the party. Inclusion is like everyone who's been invited to the party being asked to the dance floor to dance. It's very simple, but you know, if you think about it, everybody gets you everyone wants to be part of the party, but also at the same time you also want to be included on the dance floor that way.
1: Mm. Ooh, I love that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she, but you should definitely have a look at Meyers online. She comes out with really great content and around the DNI topic also.
1: So today there's a lot of talk around Mm. diversity and inclusion on social media and a lot of people are talking about that. Uh, But what do you think is the real issue that is stopping organizations to move forward in this topic?
0: That's a great question. So a huge reason to why companies struggle to move forward in creating equal access to all candidates is a reason it's something called unconscious bias. Mm. So unconscious bias is something where you know for a long time we have used the messages we've seen in the media, our own lived experiences, what we've gone through in life to make decisions. And that would mean we end up hiring people who look like us. We end up promoting people who come from similar backgrounds or come mm. from similar schools. And that's also how we end up then hiring teams where people look the same way or don't we don't have that diversity of thought that way. So when we're trying to then now look into how do I then build diverse and inclusive team, you can see how it goes all the way back to unlearning what we know, right? We're taking a step back. We're acknowledging that for a long time, we operated from a space of just using our unconscious biases. So it's going to also take time to be conscious of the biases that we have create practices and processes that truly create equity for all candidates to the process to get there. So you can see how it's not something that's an overnight yeah. fix. There is no one path of change throughout there as well. It, these things take time. We have to take our leadership teams through that journey and all of that takes time and processes as well.
1: Mm. So, And, and but what do you think are the, the, the impacts or the benefits for organizations to invest in, uh, in diversity and inclusion, why should we care?
0: Yeah, I love how you put that, why should we care, yeah. right? Because at the end of the day, a business is a business, yeah. right? We're there to yeah. create impact, create change, be profitable. So the best way I like to explain this is by a very famous McKinsey study. So they found the correlation between um, diverse and inclusive teams and the impact it has on financial performance. So let's take two specific lenses. We looked at gender diversity and ethnic diversity. So when they looked at the studies, companies in the top quartile for with gender diversities in their leadership teams, they had a 25%, they were 25% more likely to have above-average profitability than companies in the lower quartile. Again, when they looked at the lens on ethnic diversity, companies in the top quartile for ethnic diversity in their leadership teams were 36 percent more likely to have above average profitability than companies in the lower quartile so you can see the data and the research right the case the business case for diverse and inclusive teams are, is stronger than ever teams that have diverse and inclusive teams are more likely to outperform financially than companies with teams that don't have it
1: oh. So, so, yeah, so today we have many studies that is yeah. showing us how diversity and inclusion can directly affect the results. Absolutely. Right? So, but maybe there's some myths around uh, diversity and inclusion. Maybe we can uncover what is for you the biggest myth that it's happening.
0: That's a great question. I think, especially when we look at hiring teams and building teams, a big one that's often come up is, you know, if we hire for diversity, shouldn't it be the best candidate for the job? Or you may have heard this statement of, you know, I want to hire for diversity, but it should be the best candidate that we should hire. Is that something that you've heard also?
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: Yeah. And if you think about it, right, we're not saying let's go out there and hire a woman candidate, hire a minority candidate. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is, I mean, at first, let's let's even establish the fact as a business, our first thing out there is, again, going back to our impact, our, our profitability yeah. front of things. Hiring a person, you're already putting so much of resources and investment behind it. That's a lot of money. You want to make sure that whoever you hire, first and foremost, has the right competencies and skills for the role, right? Whichever role you hire for, even before a time of when we speak about diversity, is always the first skills and competencies mm. first. But what we're actually saying Are we truly ensuring that every candidate has an equal opportunity throughout the interview process? So that would mean do we have a clear criteria where we go out to hire, the clear competencies that we're hiring for, a structured interview process? And then when we get to a short list of candidates, say you have your top three candidates, top three candidates. And you're looking at, okay, from here, all of them have the right skills and competencies to do the role. Who do I then pick for? And what we know is when we get to that level, if left to our own devices, what then happens is we add an extra layer of requirement. And this is where it's like, we might say, no, actually what? Someone coming from a similar industry would be a great fit. We should pick that person. Or someone who's come from a certain school would be a better fit. We should pick that that person and left to our own devices, that's where our biases creep in. But what we're saying at that level, when we've identified peop- the shortlist of candidates with the right skills and competencies, that's when we add the layer of diversity. So say for example, if I have a team of all male candidates, which candidates out of here is going to add a diverse perspective? Who, Which is the candidate that is going to bring a, a fresh perspective of diversity of thought? Similarly, if I had a pool, um, a team of all female candidates, women candidates from a certain nationality or certain background, again, I would go to my short list of candidates and if I hire for diversity of thought, which candidate here would add that diverse perspective? So to recap, mm-hmm. we're not saying let's just go and hire a different candidate. We're going, to, we're going to say first and foremost, they have to have the right skills and competencies. Then we add that lens of which candidate brings that diversity of thought.
1: Mm. That's very interesting. And it's, it's so common, it's so strong how bias you know, uh, influence then at the end the decisions. Uh, Absolutely. Of, uh, it, right?
0: If you think about it, it's a lot of the inequities and all of that, it all stems from our unconscious yes. bias. But because it's so unconscious, yeah. we don't even stop, we don't realize that those things affect a lot of the decisions that we make.
1: Mm. So now uh, we already understood the, the, what it is, also some of the, the, the challenges, so, but then what can we do, right? Yeah. So how can an organization build a culture which is diverse and inclusive?
0: Yeah, great question. So let's say, for example, for for this conversation, let's even look at just the leader side of things, right? Mm -hmm. First and foremost, I would always encourage everyone out there before we look at, you know, how can we then build it? We want to figure out what's not working. So you Mm want to make sure you first measure the data. So measuring your workforce data, measuring um, inclusion and diversity in your workforce, and really identifying what are the gaps. And from there, you can then implement evidence-based solutions that's going to close that. Because if we don't do that, it's almost like throwing spaghetti on the wall, right? I'm I'm just going to implement different things and hoping that it it sticks, which is not what we want. But fundamentally, whenever we measure, a key element is also something called inclusive leadership. Mm -hmm. So we all know for diversity and inclusion to truly work, it always needs to stem from the top. We always need to see inclusive behavior being reflected from the top. and that's a key element to as we move towards building more diverse and inclusive workplaces
1: so that is a i would love to go deeper in that topic so maybe we can you can tell us more about then how can we go about having a more inclusive leadership
0: yeah so maybe maybe what i can tell you a little bit more is what does that look like right as a new leader and as perhaps you may be a ceo or hr director if I know that this is important, how can I then be more inclusive as a leader? I would love to tell you so much. There's, I could go on all day on this. <laughs> but say, for example, as a leader, you know, when you think about a leader that you may work for in an organization, one of the big things that employees would want to see is you walking the talk, right? So, for example, it's very easy to have a rainbow flag on Pride Month on a LinkedIn profile or have diversity and inclusion words on your LinkedIn profile, just saying that, you know what, DNI is important to me. And I can understand and empathize, right? Because every action counts. But what people want to see is how do you then reflect that in your actions? So you have to remember that as a leader, you have a lot of power and privilege in your, in your role, right? So this could simply mean instead of just talking about it, walking the talk by say in your team, if someone makes a comment that might be biased, might be Racially insensitive or just not nice, it could be just easy to just flag it off and be like, you know, that was just a joke. I'm sure they didn't mean any harm from it. But as a leader, what people would want to see and expect from you that goes a long way is you standing up and saying, you know what, that's not right. That could have been portrayed very differently. Or how do you think that could make someone feel? But as much as we may be afraid of saying the wrong thing, we can also signal that we're open to feedback mm. that way. But the last thing you want to do is not say something. So using your power and privilege in the position to say something goes a long way. Another another thing that I can um, that I would always encourage is you know as a, as we build more diverse and inclusive organization, we are also trying to build more psychological safety yeah. for teams to thrive. Right, and. Very traditionally, we may invite a lot of agreement, where it's it might be common for um, different members in the teams to agree with what you say or um, go with the plan. But part of having diverse and inclusive team is also the innovation that comes from it. So as a leader, a simple thing that you could do is also invite conflict. I know that sound the word sounds a little bit scary, but what I hear me out. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, invite conflict and invite disagreement. Because when you have diverse teams, you're going to have different perspectives that are going to come through. And with that, you hold space and you increase safety for people to bring different ideas, but also to, to look at how can we do things even yeah. better. So those are simple things that you can do to um, role model a lot of inclusive leadership behavior.
1: Mm, I love those two. Yeah, I think the first one is, is really about first walk the talk, yeah. right? And, the, and I think the second, it's, um, um, I, someone once told me that he, he brings as much diversity to, to the team and he, he makes people have intentionally conflict and he says, from that conflict, that's what magic happens. Where that's where I get a lot of innovation. So I love, uh, I love yeah. that. And I know leaders can get so much more uh, out of this. And conflict, as you said, it's, it's healthy. It's about, uh, it's about uh, um, the tension between different perspectives. And the leader is, is the role of the leader is how to manage that, how to build a, a psychologically safe space for that to happen.
0: Absolutely. I agree. And you know what? As much as it is, it can be a little bit scary, especially in yeah. an Asian context, yeah. right? Because yeah. perhaps maybe traditionally we're very very used to a hierarchical approach yeah. or this person is the leader. You just have to agree. But I, I guess that's where the opportunity lies for a leader to create that psychological safety, right? And one thing that we often tell leaders is you go first. You create a space where you disagree with something first or you invite various different perspectives in. And I think another element that really helps when you speak about psychological safety is the element of curiosity as Mm. a leader. So, we only know what we know, right? My lived experiences would be very different to your lived experiences. I wouldn't know what you've gone through. But us being curious about their experience, asking for their thoughts, asking why this may have happened as well, helps also build their psychological safety and helps them open up to their team. One thing I would say is there is a lens of being curious but you also want to listen and empathize right it's easy to quick to it's easy to jump into the part of like problem solving especially as a leader it's very easy to jump into let me solve this for you let me try this for you but in that aspect being curious and displaying empathy also means just listening and not playing the experience down but truly just taking a moment to i'm so sorry that this is your experience i never knew this was your experience but now that I know, how can I support in that way? You can one be an airline, but also at the same yeah. time, you are displaying a lot of their curiosity.
1: Hmm. <laughs> it's an interesting
0: <laughs> topic. There's so much to go into so that.
1: Good. That was so good. Yeah. So, but if I'm a CEO and hmm. I'm an HR director, where do I start?
0: absolutely and that's a that's a big question these days right especially if you're a new ceo new yeah. hr director going to an organization and for and dni is a big part of your value system how do i then speak about it right so one of my biggest things is as you go in take the time to learn and understand what's currently going on so this could be looking at the data looking at what's currently been rolled out in in your region mm-hmm. globally what are the strategies there Um, And also you have to remember you have an opportunity to signal inclusion right from the very start. So I'll give you very practical techniques as a new CEO or HR leader. um, Something that often that we may be very inclined to do is perhaps change the management team or bring people that we are very used to working with. And that also is a reflection of your stand on diversity and inclusion. So being mindful of that, and especially as a new leader, you are very visible throughout the organization, right? So who you're having coffee with, people around around you in meetings, who you're meeting with, being mindful of how all of that signals inclusion goes a long way. Um, Another thing that you could do is meet with your DNI lead, get an understanding of some of the priorities how you can also play a role. Look at employee resource groups. What are some of the different groups that are coming together to build diversity and inclusion for different groups in the organization? A big thing I would also say, especially as a leader, your first communication that goes out signals a lot of your own messaging in diversity and inclusion. All eyes are going to be on it as well. And you know what? There is also that element of, you're not going to get it all right. You are going to make mistakes along the way we are all on this journey together. So signaling that you're open to feedback goes a long way. And I guess going back to that message on your first messaging that goes out, some things that you could do is work with your DNI partners, work with the employee resource groups on how you can craft it together so you get the right messaging and start on the right foot as much as possible also.
1: Mm. I think I have to push you a little bit more (laughs) on this Um, and I want to go a bit further and understanding and for myself as a a CEO, but how do I bring people on board, you Mm. know, to make it really a priority for my company?
0: That's a great question and where you have the opportunity to bring people on this journey is truly by challenging them, right? Mm. Challenging systemic change is truly... A key element if we want to create sustainable change in the overall system so think of different ways on how can you get your leaders and people around you to buy into the dni business case because at the end of it whatever we do it still needs to link back to the business case so thinking of it from that Mm. perspective right another element that you want to realize is there's no one path of change right Mm. and these things do take time by, by you challenging them, you are also going to push them to think of different ways of how do we then create equal opportunities for all from our hiring processes all the way to our promotion side of things as well. But I guess to recap, the key element is one, definitely challenge them, especially if we're trying to create solutions mm-hmm. that are sustainable. And secondly, also you want to get your leadership team bought into the business case for DNI.
1: and mm, I see. And so if we we look ahead, like what would be your dream in terms of uh, diversity and inclusion at the workplace?
0: Yeah, that's a great question and and something that's very close to my heart as well. But when we look at diversity and inclusion, I hope today, you know, you've seen how it is not only the smart thing to do for businesses, you see how it impacts financial performance. Um, Overall, there's so many benefits to do. But it's also the right thing to do, right? As people, we are so different in so many different ways. And if we can truly come together to work in a place where we can bring authentic selves, we can innovate, we can thrive in a VUCA world as well, it's not only an impact for the organization, for the people, but it also has impact for many generations to come, right? If you think about it, so it's not, in summary, it's not just the smart thing yeah. to do for businesses, but it's the right thing to do for the entire ecosystem, for me, for you, for the organisation, and for many generations to come as well.
1: Mm. So we, we're coming to the end. It went on really, really fast. But there's something that I really enjoyed. So I, I love, first, your vulnerability. I mean, you're sharing your story. Um, and that was very inspiring for me. And I love how you are using also your story in order to bring change to, to people and to inspire people to, to, to work more on, on diversity. And thank you f- so much f- for adding so much value and, and to bring so much awareness about this topic, which I think is key for the future, for companies who need to succeed in the future they don't have an option. They need to get it right. And it needs to start now. So thank you so much. You're most
0: welcome. It was, thank you for having me. I had such a great time speaking with you.